खिलाफत के अमी हम हैं अमानत हम संभालेंगे जो नेमत छिन वी बिलीव इन इक्वेलिटी ऑफ ह्यूमन बीइंग्स इन द रूल ऑफ लॉ एंड वी आर अगेंस्ट ऑल टाइप्स ऑफ ऑपरेशन वेलकम टू द एमकेए यूएसए वाइब रन बाय मजलिस कुदामल अहमदिया यूएसए America's oldest and largest Muslim male youth organization. We're here to share a weekly recap of the latest in Friday sermons, speeches, lessons from our respected imams and wisdom from different sources. Khalifa ke labon se jo gulo jo har bikharte hain Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu la sharika lahu wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu Amma ba'du fa'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem Bismillahir rahmanir rahim Alaysallahu bi kafin abda Is not Allah sufficient for his servant and yet they would frighten thee with those beside him and he whom Allah judges astray for him there is no guide and he whom Allah guides there is none to lead him astray is not Allah the mighty the lord of retribution The verse I have just recited before you is what we are going to discuss in the coming weeks inshallah taala It is a very famous verse that you have all heard which is alaysallahu bikafin abduhu Is Allah not sufficient for his servants The question here is how many of you has a ring that says alaysallahu bikafin abduhu We have one mashallah I had one but I lost <laughs> We have to get one then inshallah Now the reason I'm asking this is that many of us have the ring but we don't know what it means and why we wear it and where it comes from and how important is this verse of the Quran some of us don't even know it's a verse from the Quran some of us believe it's only a revelation to the promised messiah alislam but it's actually also a verse from the holy quran now why i have mentioned this is that when the promised messiah alislam was alive on this earth he was walking and and he was roaming this earth and he was enjoying the fact that he was able to spend 100% of his time on preaching and sharing the message of islam and defending islam all of that was because allah almighty had made a way for his father to receive a pension that would take care of all the household needs so he didn't have to work one day he heard that his father had passed away just for a split second he thought that oh allah maybe now i will have to focus some of my time on work so i can sustain the family maybe and allah almighty right away revealed to him alaysallahu bikafin abdu 
Is Allah not sufficient for his servant? Don't worry, you don't have to work. The promised Messiah then mentioned that from then on, Allah took care of me better than a father could have. Everything I needed, every which way I needed it, He took care of me. That was the transformation. So it's based on that very reference that we're going to talk about today. And it is that we want to talk about who this verse was revealed to first. It was not revealed to the promised Messiah first. It was instead revealed to the Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam first. And before I begin, I want to remind you that I'm going to say the name of our Master Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam many times. I encourage everybody to say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam very loudly so that our young children can feel it from our voices. And even if I say it a hundred times, we should say it a hundred times. Okay? Inshallah. Now with this verse, you know that the words in the verse are Alaysallahu bikafin abduhu. Abd. The correct word used is abd. It doesn't say Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It doesn't say Ahmad. It doesn't say Isa. It doesn't say Musa. It says abd. Allah says, is Allah not sufficient for his servant? He doesn't say Mahmud. He doesn't say any. He doesn't say Tahir. He doesn't say anybody else's name. He says abd. <coughs> That opens a door for us. That if me and you are his abd, we too can benefit from this verse. That's the key. Now what I'm presenting to you right now is from a summary of a long series of speeches by the second Khalifa, Hazrat al-Muslim Aud, where he makes a connection. He says, the Holy Prophet Muhammad Wasallam's whole life is an example of this verse. And you can summarize his whole entire life with this very verse. How every time Allah Ta'ala took care of him. And that's what I want to discuss today. Just some of the stories, some of those examples that will inspire us to be his abd, to be his servants. Because I can say be a servant, but why? Why should I be a servant? This is what I'm going to discuss today. That how important it is for us to devote our time, our effort for the sake of God. Even if we are working, even if we are doing other things, always remember your end goal should be God. Your end goal should be your masjid. Your end goal should be your faith. Nothing else. That's the key. Now, when we talk about this very verse, he mentions as a Muslim, the second Khalifa, he says that, you know, some people have a connection. They are already abd. They have such a connection that sometimes they are walking and they just think about something. And Allah fulfills it. Sometimes they pray, of course. They're walking, they pray, and Allah fulfills it. Sometimes they're just thinking. And Allah makes it happen. And He gives example. He said, one day, I was just thinking about the fact that I have not tasted a mango. The mango season had started. I had not seen a mango in a long time. He said, I turned to my son. And I said, isn't it surprising? We have not seen a mango in a long time. And the mango season has already started. He said, right then and there, he said, my son is a witness. And he said, children will not exaggerate things. They will show you exactly what they saw. He said, my, even my son is a witness to this. Right then and there, somebody knocked on our door. He said, I went to the door and he said, here, I have a gift for you. I brought it. So I opened it, it was a mango. He said, this is not a one-time story. He said, it happens daily. It happens all the time. This is an example of what Abd is. Let me give you another example. There was a very famous saint who had students. You know, saints would have students and they would try to train them. 
teach them how to be very righteous. So he had a student and he was going with him one day. So he told him to wait on, on the street and he said, I will go into the market and I will buy a few things and I'll be right back. So the student was waiting there and he's thinking and he starts thinking, you know, I wish I could eat some grapes right now. Grapes would be really, really nice right now. He's just thinking about it. A few minutes later, the saint returns with grapes in his head. He hands it to the student. He says, next time, just tell me. You don't have to tell him. This is the connection that people who are servants of Allah have. That that boy was just thinking what Allah Ta'ala told the saint. Hey, your student is wishing this. Please get him some grapes. Now these are not just fairy tales. These are stories we can find in the example of the promised Messiah, our Khalifas. And each and every one of you has seen this example. You're just walking one day, you think about something and Allah fulfills it. That means that spirit, that faith is there. We have to just enhance it, increase it, inshallah. But there's one aspect that Hazrat al-Muslim mentioned. He said this verse, Alaysallahu bikafin abduhu, is very special because it has two angles to it. It's a coin with two sides. If you have one, then you will get the other. He said the first angle is very simple. Is that you all will have to sacrifice. There will be a threat. There will be a challenge. When there's a threat, when there's a challenge, when there's a sacrifice, then Allah will protect you. And He will say these words, Allah sallallahu it's not that you are fine. Everything is okay. Allah is saying, Allah is Allah not sufficient for your servant? It's not that life will be easy. Life will be difficult. A challenge will come. A threat will come. One that you cannot overpass yourself. You will think about it. And many of you have experienced this. That you are studying for an exam. You're studying. It's a math exam. You're studying, studying, studying. The next day you get to the exam and you find out it's a science exam. You study the wrong subject altogether. At that point, there's nothing in this world that could, you could do to actually pass that exam. So you begin to pray. And what happens? You pass. Those are the moments when Allah has made you realize you have no other chance but Allah. And then Allah makes a way for you. This is what that verse is. This is when that verse applies. Is when there's no other chance, everything. And you can look in the history of even Bronx Jamal. Many times you have had hard times. And I understand. But those times were so difficult that you thought there was no way out. And Allah made a way. Each one of you has a story in your own families, your own lives, I can imagine. Some of you coming to America, others joining Islam. Whatever it may be, everybody has that example. Now the point is that those examples are not just for stories. They're reality. That is the treatment of Allah with you. And so it's very important for us to understand that to be an Abd, we have to work very hard. And we will be faced with challenges, threats, and obstacles. It's a requirement. When we will face them, then Allah will say from the heavens, Is Allah not sufficient for His servants? I want to share with you four stories in as much detail as I can before it's prayer time. But I want to share with you these stories because all of these prophecies... <coughs> All of these stories are fulfillment of the very prophecy of that there were threats, there were challenges, there were obstacles in the life of the Holy Prophet Muhammad that he could not have overcome on his own had Allah's hand not been there to protect him. First story is even before he was born, when he was still in the womb of his mother, 
his father passed away. Now just imagine, even in today's world, after 1400 years, a child who's born without a father, what status does he have in society? Nothing. Nobody cares for them. Sometimes their own relatives disown them. Oh, he's gone now. I have no more connection with you. And especially if a father has passed away, then the mother is completely left alone. And in this country, sometimes people leave their children on a street somewhere, and near an orphanage somewhere. Sometimes they even kill their own children because they have no idea how to sustain them. All of this happens when a child is born without a father. The same, if not worse, was applying at the time of the birth of the Holy Prophet Muhammad. <laughs> there was nobody in the world who could have inspired his family to care for the child's birth. Remember, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, <laughs> grandfather, had many sons. Not just one or two, he had many sons, nearly ten. Each one of them had children. There's such a huge family that nobody would care that this one son who's had a son is going to pass away. Nobody would care where he's born. But what happens? The day that he is born, Allah inspires his grandfather that irrespective of the whole family, he goes straight to the Holy Prophet Muhammad lifts him up and takes him straight to the Kaaba and begins to announce and thank Allah. Oh Allah, thank you for this gift. Thank you for this child. Now, who could have put that love in his heart? Nobody. Not me, not you, nobody. Could have told a grandfather that you should care for your own son's son, your grandson. Usually people disconnect that he's cursed, God forbid. You know, you can ask people from Eastern cultures, even in Africa, very similar. Yeah. That they just disown. Oh, if my son has died, that means this child is cursed, God forbid. But the very opposite happened. But it didn't just end there. He then took on the role of a father. He was the one person who would have a, a very special cloth. Nobody was allowed to come close to that cloth. They would get in trouble. Except the Holy Prophet Muhammad. <laughs> this was the love he showed. And everybody knew that this child was special and they were not allowed to bother him or to bring him down or anything. He was a very special child to the grandfather. This was again Allah from heaven saying, Is Allah not sufficient for a servant? When you were born without a father, the threat was there, the challenge was there, the sacrifice was there. When there was no way for you to survive in society, what did I do? I gave you another father figure who then took care of you. I changed his heart. I transformed the whole environment just to take care of you. This is the treatment of God with His servants. The next story is also very special. It's a, it's a bit long, but I want to make you understand the circumstances. <clears throat> the story is that after a child would be around six months old, all of the women of the deserts used to come to the city of Mecca. And their objective was to find children that they can take back with them to the desert. Train them, give them the pure language. So at that point, the purpose was that in Mecca, the language was very bad. They were like city language, always slang. And the fruits and vegetables were very bad as well. It was more healthier if you went to the desert. 
So, when the Holy Prophet Muhammad was six months old, same thing happened. All the women of the different villages came. And when they came, they would go house to house. And they would try to select somebody from the wealthier families. Because when they take, this was their only income. They would make money by taking the child, taking care of him, bringing him back and getting a good reward. So they would go house to house. Now naturally, everybody knew that the chief family has a baby. So they would rush to that house first. The first lady entered the house. After a brief introduction, found out that this child is an orphan. They would say, Jazakallah, thank you so much. We are going now, next house. Because they knew even though he's from the chief family, what is his mother going to give us? Nothing. She has nothing. She has no income. She has no way of supporting us. So why should we take this child? So the first lady left. Second lady entered also excited again. Same thing. Soon as she finds out she's an orphan, she said, thank you very much. I have to go. The third, the fourth, the fifth or sixth lady who entered was none other than Hazrat Halima. We have all heard of her. Very famous lady, right? And just imagine this. She enters the house. She finds out he's an orphan. She says, thank you very much. I have to go. I will come back later if I get a chance. And in her mind, she was thinking the same thing. He's an orphan. I'm not going to get anything out of this. Let me go find another child. At that very moment, she walks out. Now just imagine, this is a connection Allah wants. Allah decreed this connection. But the thread is that she has just left the house. The one lady we know, because we are now in this part of history, that she took care of him. She was going to be the right person to take care of. But she walks out of that house. There's the threat. There's the challenge. There's the obstacle. What does Allah Almighty do? Now she goes door to door. Now just imagine this. How, how much of a miracle this was. The first house she goes to, the parents reject her. Say, no, no, you cannot take our child. We want somebody else. She goes to the next house. They say, no, no, not you. Halima, no, no, not you. Somebody else. Third house, fourth house, the whole day passes by and not a single family gave their child to her. Now she walks outside that nobody has given me a child and the Holy Prophet Muhammad was laying there and no woman selected him. This was a match made in heaven. She was being rejected and he was being rejected. In fact, Khalifatul Masih Sani, the second Khalifa mentioned, that you will recall in the Bible, it says, the stone that was rejected. rejected became the cornerstone. He said that was that stone that was being rejected on that very day. So when she realized she had no child, she said, you know what? Let me go and just, very embarrassed, very shameful, she said, I will go ahead and take him anyways. I should take some child. I'll do it as charity. So she goes to the house, she meets Hazrat Amina, and she says, you know, please, I will take your child. It's okay. I know I can't give you much, but okay. So she agrees to take him. Then what happens? En route to the house, when she finally brings him to the village, she said, we had a goat that could not give milk anymore. It ceased to give it. She said, it began to give milk. Then the blessings of God came down on our home so much I couldn't imagine. I couldn't understand what was going on. I knew it was this child. 
So much so that fast forward two years later, she doesn't want to part with the child. She's required to take him back to Mecca. So she goes. She meets Hazrat Amna and again Hazrat Amna cannot give her much. She pretty much gave her nothing. But Hazrat Halima says, please, let me take this child again. I want to keep this child. He's a great blessing and he's our love. We don't want to give him up. At that moment, Allah Almighty was sitting in heaven saying, Allah Is Allah not sufficient for His servant? You couldn't have somebody to take care of you, but I gave you somebody like a real mother. This was the connection that Allah Almighty had with this orphan child. As Al-Muslim mentions that in fact, this treatment continued in a way that the Holy Prophet Muhammad was able to repay her in a way she will never forget. He mentions that fast forward, as Halima had passed away, many, many years later, Islam was growing and Islam was conquering various lands. One day, the same village, the same nation, the same people of Hazrat Halima decided to attack Islam, attack the Muslims. So they did. What happened? They lost. The moment they lost, they were all captured. 3,000 of them were captured. At that moment, there's only two options. Either they have to pay for their freedom or they will remain prisoners. What can they do? At that moment, the whole family is shamed. They said, this is our stepbrother. The Prophet Muhammad وسلم, is our stepbrother. Look at, we took him to war. Imagine how foolish we were. Who will, among us will have the courage to ask him to forgive us? None of them. They were all too shy, too scared that we have made such a mistake. But the daughter of Hazrat Halima had the courage. She went to the Holy Prophet Muhammad and she said, will you forgive us? And he said, yes, you are all forgiven. Hazrat al-Muslim mentions that forgiveness normally was not an option. A whole nation would not be forgiven. He said, usually if you do the math, and he did the math, he said 3,000 people, even if they gave 100 dirham each, we're talking... A lot of money. He said, at least you could have said, give us some money. He said, absolutely free, let you go. He said, on that day, when Hazrat Halima had selected him and took him with the idea that she will never be repaid, that day he repaid her by letting her nation exist. Letting them go for free. This was his repayment. This was his love. This is how Allah brought it back in a way to be able to repay them. None of his debts were ever held up. He was able to pay them all back. This is again from heaven. Allah was saying, Is Allah not sufficient for his servant? The last story I want to share with you is that you know that in his childhood, shortly after, first his father passed away, then you know that his grandfather passed away. Then after his grandfather passed away, his mother passed away. But when his grandfather was passing away, before he passed away, he had spoken to his uncle, Abu Talib. 
And he said, I entrust this child to you. He is now yours. You have to take care of him. You have to be his father. Now again, I've already shared with you how it works in societies today. They will not, uncle will say, I have so many of my own kids. <laughs> this is another kid you are giving me. Now Abu Talib was a very poor man. He had a hard time even sustaining the children he had, let alone adding another one. But this is his treatment. He treated him as if he was his very own. Abu Talib's wife couldn't understand why we have another child. So many a times, she would be distributing things for the kids. Let's say candy, for example. She would call all of her children and allow the Prophet Muhammad to sit in the corner by himself. And she would give something to all of the children. He would not ever complain. He would not ever say, why am I not included? He would not say a word. He would mind his own business in that corner, knowing he's being secluded. Knowing he's not being included. And Abu Talib would come home and he would see this spectacle. He would see this. What is going on? The Prophet Muhammad وسلم, sitting in a corner by himself. So he would say to his wife, why have you treated my son like this? Not my nephew, not this boy, not this stranger. He said, you made a beta head. This is my son. Why have you treated him like this? Give him a share also. And then he would put him in his lap and he would sit down and say, this is my son. You give him his share. Now, no uncle would treat somebody like this. Many a times they're the ones who are in, you know, being more unjust than you can imagine. But this was his love that he showed. All of these examples are simply because he was an abd. He was a servant of Allah. Now if me and you are going to be a servant of Allah, we have to be expecting that there will be hardship, there will be trial, there will be obstacles. When they will come, we have to be strong and we have to pray to Allah. And if we have that connection with Allah Almighty, all things will be turning upside down. You'll be surprised. You will not understand why, what's going on. I myself have seen so many stories among the islanders who have just become Muslim now. So many stories. And I would be shocked. I remember one man, I'm just sharing this with you so you can realize that this is happening today. There's one man who, before he became Muslim, he had gotten into a fight at a bar. And he got injured so badly that his half of his body is paralyzed. He can barely speak. He can barely walk. He can barely shake your hand. His right arm is completely handicapped pretty much. But he learned the Salat. And he'll raise his hand up like this because he cannot move it. He'll move it here. He'll shake your hand with his right hand. It doesn't move. It does not feel anything. I remember one day I was reading Salat with him. Just next to him just like we do when we were praying. We went into Sajda. And he said, Komol Tada, Komol Tada, Komol Tada. And I was shocked. That's their local language for saying, Thank you. Thank you, Allah. Thank you. I thought about it. I said, He has nothing to be thankful for. He lost his wife. He lost his children. He lost his speaking ability. He lost his movements. And he's saying, Thank you. Oh, Allah, thank you. Imagine where we are. And how much we should be saying thank you. 
This shows you what kind of devotion people have even in this day and age. Another story I remember, there was a girl. We had taught the whole, all the children the prayer, Rabbi Zidni al We all heard this prayer, right? Oh Allah, increase me in knowledge. So we taught them that whenever you have your exam, pray, Rabbi Zidni al Rabbi Zidni you'll be okay. Now this was a, such a village where, Alhamdulillah, I had the fortune to establish a new jamaat there. But what was established was all children in the beginning, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, like all Hazrat Ali's just sitting there. And their parents became Ahmadi after. At that time, they would allow them to go to the masjid. The masjid was full of just children. So in this class, we taught them Rabbi Zidilma. And what they would do is, whatever they would learn in class, they would go home and chant it. So they learned La ilaha illa, they would go home and sing it, like it was a song. So they went home and started talking about Rabbi Zidilma. One of the girls, who Alhamdulillah, even today, is still a very strong Ahmadi, mashallah. She mentioned that she had an exam the next day and she didn't study at all. At all. And she didn't know what to do. So she said, I have nothing in my hands, so I'm going to read Rabbi Zidilma. And in her class, there were other Ahmadi children as well. So she told them, I didn't study, but I'm going to read Rabbi Zidilma. So they said, okay, go ahead, do what we studied. We are ready to go. She said, okay, all I have is Rabbi Zidilma. You have your studying. They took the exam. When the results were announced, she was the only student to get 100%. On the way home, they started chanting, Muslim prayers work, Muslim prayers work. Yeah. See? Alhamdulillah. So these are the stories that are happening today. These are things that I have seen myself. Another last story I will share with you. I remember myself. I was also surprised. We had a tournament that was going on. Humanity First Basketball Tournament. Now during this tournament, it was such that they don't allow you to play any sports on Sunday. It's, you can say it's haram in these islands. Because they have their Sunday you know, prayer worship. So our tournament was going till Saturday and it's Saturday night. It's right before Maghrib prayer and we only have one last game. If we don't finish the game, the tournament will be cancelled pretty much. Now right before the last game, it began to rain. Really badly. Now in these places when it rains, everybody runs and then the, everything stops. Now it started to rain and there are hundreds of people standing by. And I remember I had taught the children... Allahumma hawalena wala alena. Wala, take these clouds, take them away. So they remember this prayer. So we made a small circle, all the children, and we started reading it out loud. Now hundreds of people are watching us. What are these crazy people doing? They're chanting this prayer. And we're chanting and going in circles and they're just reading it out loud. And they're even louder than me. They're just yelling it, you know. Wala, you know, Allahumma hawalena wala alena. Take these clouds away from here. As we were reading it, I completely was in trance. I forgot what was going on around me. All of a sudden, one of the girls said, Imam, look, it's not raining anymore. So we look up and all the people noticed. That, look, they were praying for the rain to stop and the rain stopped. It stopped so much, it became sunlight all of a sudden. So we started our game. Now, I, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you the very last shot, it went in. And it started to rain. It started to pour. Everybody had to run home. We did the results and by Monday we distributed all the awards. So we didn't have enough time that after the game to even distribute the awards. 
These are small stories that we have witnessed. This is not me, this is not me. These are islanders who have just accepted Islam a few years ago, maybe a few months. Some of them had just become Ahmadi. So it shows you that the power of connecting with Allah. When you do, the whole world will start to change and transform. So I encourage everybody that for us to be a true abd, we have to love each other, we have to work with each other, we have to be in the masjid. This masjid should not be closed in any way or form, inshallah. And when I say it should be open, it should be full of people like today. I'm very happy to see how many people are here today. Alhamdulillah, may Allah bless all of you. We will pray that this masjid will be so full, we will need a bigger place, inshallah. Khalifa ke labo se jo gulo johar bikharte You've been listening to the MKA Vibe by Majlis Qudam al USA, America's oldest and largest Muslim male youth organization. Subscribe to get more of our weekly recap of the latest in Friday sermons, speeches, lessons from our respected Imams and wisdom from different sources. Tweet us your ideas and thoughts at Muslim Youth USA.